today. The kids are dismissed. Romans chapter 8. But how true that song is, it sometimes, you know, many times we find ourselves in, the, in a high mountain, right in the very peaks. And before you know, you're in a deep valley. You know, I remember Wednesday morning, I always went downstairs and I went the opposite side of where my mother slept because I didn't want to wake her up. I would get up by the back door because our front door is, does too many squeaks. And she was there snoring and going along. I said, Mom is okay. And at noontime, I called. Mom was okay. Uh, and while, half an hour later, Mom was gone. Uh, you go from praising the Lord all day long to suddenly it down. And in those moments, we understand how strong really God is to sustain us. Because we, we, any, any of us can go through that any given moment. But our faith sustains us. Our faith gets to us to keep going. And I praise the Lord that I know Him in a way that I can trust Him and move on with life and say, Lord, I know even though I am weak, You are strong. Amen. Thank you, Chris. A good song. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And the title of the message this morning is More Than Conquerors. Look what it says. What shall we, we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spit not his own son, but deliver him for us all, who shall be now with him from freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to charge to the charge of God's elect? Do not mistake that word right there. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that dieth, yea, rather it is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate, separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loveth us. For I am persuaded, I love these verses right here, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor hype, nor death, nor any other creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord, that we are secure in your hands. Thank you, Lord, that nothing, absolutely nothing, can take us away from the love of God. Thank you, Lord, that heaven is our home. What a wonderful hope to have that the heavenless world, even when life doesn't make sense, we know that we are headed home to be with you. And, Lord, one day we will depart from this world, but we know that we'll be with you for all eternity. That is a hope that many people don't carry Many people don't have. And let, Lord, this morning, as I preach your word, give justice to this passage. In a way, Lord, that if someone here never really received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, or even online this morning, may they call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, one thing that I want to emphasize here this morning is this. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're more than a conqueror. You are victorious. Your life is 
hidden in Christ, you overcame sin by the power of God. God saved you. God saved you. You know one thing? We don't play church here. We preach and proclaim the Word of God. That's what we do. If somebody walks in here, they're going to know that the Bible is open, that I tell you to open your Bibles. You can follow along because what we do here is preach and proclaim the Word of the living God. I say the living God because our God is not dead. Our God is alive. And our hope is in Him. Our hope is in Him. So every person that have received Jesus Christ as personal Savior has been set free from their sin and their shame. You know, there are many things in our life on which we are, we are ashamed of. There may be we don't want nobody to know. But you know what? You can give it to God. Amen. God understands your weakness. God understand your fa- understands your failures. God understands those things. The people might never understand, but God does. And God forgives. Amen. You know, if you are a child of God here this morning, you have become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have become a child of the living God. You have been adopted. And I say hallelujah to that. You have become a citizen of heaven. You see, a child of God, they have been set free. But unfortunately, many Christians are not living like they're free. They're living like they are back in their bondage of sin. Listen, if you've been set free from the cesspools of of sins of this world, why going back to the same thing? Even Paul says in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's Paul that wrote, otherwise uh, people can come in different names. He says, why are you going back to Judaism? Galatians is the same thing. When you go back to Judaism, when you've been set free, we're not bound by the law. We are set free by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. Well, if you are a Christian living uh, this morning, living in continual unconfessed sin, it will fill... Uh, I need my glasses. I can't see. Okay. Oh, there he goes. If you are a Christian living on continual confessed sin, it will uh, fill that and you, you will fill your heart that way. But let me tell you this. But none of us have to live in the ways of sin. I put it this way. Keep short accounts with God. Okay, so you lied. Confess it. Lord, I have lied. But he lied again. Lord, I did it again. Confess it again. Lord, I die. I, I, what he confessed three times, I lied again. Confess it again. You know why? He loves you that much to forgive you that much. If it was me, you lied three times to me, I'd say, buzz off. And he'd say, why? I can't take it anymore. You keep on lying. What the world's wrong with you? Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what we say, honestly? Isn't that what we say? But God said, I forgive you. I forgive you. That's the difference between God and you and me. I tell you what. Keep short accounts with God because we are more than conquerors. Especially when we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's making intercession for us each, each time we, we access that throne of heaven and ask forgiveness. But let me tell you something this morning. Don't just access heaven's throne and, and ask God to forgive you when you just when you sin. Listen, why don't just go to the Lord and praise His name. Lord, you're so good to me. Lord, you love me so much. Lord, you have forgiven me. I'm grateful for you. You know, sometimes our prayer should be just praises. 
just praise His name. Lord, thank you for what you have done in my life. Thank you to use me as a, a light to be a witness to people. You know, just sometimes you just have to be grateful. And just express gratefulness and express that to our Lord. And I understand we go through the day and ask for forgiveness. What about praises? What about praising His name? Because in our, listen folks, He is worthy of our praises. He is worthy. We are more than conquerors. Question. Is God this morning for you or against you? That is a pretty important question to answer in life, isn't it? And it turns out, God is for you. How do you know something uh, won't come us uh, to separate us from the love of God in the future? No, because He's for you. Let me tell you this morning. If you are saved here this morning, God is for you. You are loved that much that He's for you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to enjoy the life that He gives you. Because He's for you. You follow that? All right. So, I understand there are problems and circumstances of life on which sometimes we don't feel like smile. We feel like we're down the pit. But let me tell you, God is there with you because He's for you. All right? So, these are important questions. Is God for you or against you? Or important question. So, uh, and that's precisely the questions Paul tackles here in a in the book of Romans, chapter 8, these final verses in the, in the chapter are some of the most beautiful in Scripture. They have been called the Christian triumphant song. I'm sorry, my voice is not cooperating with me this morning. So because of the emphasis on the believer's victory in Jesus. But it, it all depends on the answer to two questions here. There is no victory without Jesus, okay? Uh, and there is no hope apart from the love of God. And so, and so Paul ends this chapter with two precious truths for the believing Christ. First, God is for you, not against you. Second, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That, that's two words of great hope. My God is for me, not against me. And secondly, nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And you say, Pastor, what are you taking that from? From the Bible. That's right. We either... Listen, we either believe the Bible to be the Word of God, or we take it, eh, or leave it. I believe the Bible is the Word of the living God. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be here preaching it to you this morning. I'd be maybe in the beach, in the golf course, I don't know, you know, at this time maybe feel, feeling sorry for myself. Uh, but i tell you this, God is not against you. And nothing can separate you the love of God. So, this morning, let's con consider these two truths this morning as we go through this, this passage. And I'm going to share with you a couple truths here. Number one, God is for you, not against you. All right. Okay. You want to repeat after me, okay? God is for me, not against me. Can I hear that? God is for me, not against me. All right. If you believe that with your heart, just, just let it out. God is for me, not against me. Do you believe that? Absolutely. God is for me, not against me. He's not my enemy. He's my father. You follow that? He's not my enemy. He's my God. He's not my enemy. He is my Savior. You follow that? So He's for me. 
If I don't, can't finish because I lose my voice, I'll let you come here and finish the message, okay? <laughs> uh, it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but uh, are you a Christian here this morning? All right, you're a Christian, so God is for you. It means if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Savior, you have done that, and God is not for you anymore. God is, I mean, God is not against you. God is for you. Let me put it this way. You know, people say, I'm a good person. If I die, I'm going to heaven. They're not, but they think that way. You know what? You know what? God is actually, the Bible says, they are enemies of God. Because they never made peace with God. But those of us who are Christians, who are saved, we have made peace with God. And God says to you and me, I'm not against you. I am for you. All right? Let's say it again. God is not against me. God is for me. All right? Okay. So notice how Paul communicates this truth to the series of questions here. And how carefully he words these questions. For example, if Paul had simply asked, who is against us? We would probably have come up with all kinds of sorts of responses. But instead he asks, if God is for us, who can be against us? You follow that? If he said it this way, oh, who is against us? I can go like, oh, so-and-so don't like me. So-and-so doesn't, really doesn't like me. Oh, that other person, oh, forget it. That co-worker, oh my goodness. You can go and put names in. But he says right here, if God is for us, who can be against us? Follow that? Because nobody can measure up to God. I mean, we live in a world that people put God about this small. They say, oh, it's the man upstairs. They live like God is not even aware of what's going on in our world. Really? I mean, he's sustaining the whole thing together. Not us. Okay, what can you do to keep the right rotation of the earth? You tell me. Is there any wise brain out there that can keep the right, thank you, the right rotation of the earth? Is there any wise brain out there? No. no. Is there any wise thing that we can do to keep the sun coming up, coming down, the earth rotate right form to sustain life? No. You know who does that? God does. You know what? Oh, that's Mother Nature. No, no, it's Father God. Amen. That's what it is. Because Mother Nature is controlled by Father God. I don't believe in such thing as Mother Nature, but anyway, we just try to emphasize with the language of this world. So Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. No one can be against us. That frames out the whole different perspective right here. Everything depends on whether God is for you or against you. If God is for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. Oh, you're a lot of people that don't like me. I hate those people. No, hate is a bad word. I pray for those people. God is for me. I pray for them. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. What they were doing to him, they crucified him. There was no hateful words out of the lips of Jesus. It was loving words. Father, forgive them. He thought good thoughts of them. So people hate you. If God is for me, I'll pray for you. You follow that? If God is for me, I'll pray for you. I'm not going to hate you or despise you. That's worldly stuff. We are the children of the living God. We ought to learn to love others in spite of if they love us or not. 
You can go to a person and say, oh, I love you so much. And the person goes to you, I don't love you at all. <laughs> but I want to, can't make people love you. But you can pray for them in a loving way. Well, when Jesus was nailed on that cross and Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Did they love Jesus in, in return? No. If you're the son of God, get out of that cross. That was mockery. That's what it was. So, Paul goes on in here to say these things. Those three words, God for us, that is the gospel in a nutshell. Paul confirms that this truth that God is for us through three amazing statements that should, uh, should, remove, and should remove any doubt in the heart of every believer. Number one, letter A, he saved you. Look what it says in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? Remember, he's talking to the church of Rome right here. He's talking to believers here. If God be for us, you can be against us. Uh, he that spared not his own son, but deliver him for, uh, up for us all, who shall be not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Uh, who, who did, I'm sorry, let me put it this way. Let me get a sip of water. Mm. Thank you, brother. Let me put it this way. You did not save yourself. Oh, but I'm a good person. I'm very religious. I do a lot of good things for people. All right, keep on doing it. Keep on doing it because they're good. You try to be good, a good citizen. You do good for others. That's good. I won't take you that to heaven. That will never take you to heaven. You know what? Be a good person. You cannot save yourself, and you cannot save anyone. God is the one who saves. So, why? God is for us. He saved me. I am saved by the grace of God. He saved me in His mercy. He looked at me when I asked forgiveness. He said, I forgive you. I'm going to adopt you as my child. Wow. You know what? If it was the only thing that God done for us, that should be the whole reason for us to worship Him with a fervent faithful heart. You know why? Because just the, just the very fact that I'm not going to hell should be the cause for us to live for Him. And unfortunately, many Christians do not live for God, they live for themselves. And that's not a good thing. So, how do you know that God is for you, not against you? First of all, because God who gave his own son, will graciously give you all things along with him. He saved you. He forgave you of your sin. And that wonderful blessing right here. That's the first one. Number two, not only he saved you, he justified you. Look what it says in verse 33. You shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifieth. What does that mean? That's a judicial, I mean, judicial word right there. What that means, justified? That means declared Righteous. You're not guilty of anything. No, think about it. All right. Okay. Let's say you lost your mind and you walk to the convenience store over there and just try to rob the place up and you get arrested. All right? You get arrested. And rightly so. So you go in front of the judge and you know you're guilty as the day goes long. And try to plead not guilty. You know you're guilty. I'm not I'm guilty. I did it. Everybody saw it. Let's say I walk in there and I say, Judge, I'm taking his place. I'll pay the, the penalty for him. And I say, the judge said, 
you're free to go. And Robert, you're walking out of that courtroom guilting as the day goes long, right? You know you're guilty. This guy didn't do anything. Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus put his righteousness on you, and God the Father says, I forgive you, I justify you, because when I look at you, I see my son in you. That's called justification. So he saved you, but he justifies you. So when he look at you and me, he, didn't see the, he doesn't see the rotten sinner that I am. He sees the righteous of his son in me. That's called imputation right there. We don't understand, but that's the way God is. No. He's, he's not, God is not for you. He's against you. I mean, God is, is not against you. God is for you. He, look what he did. He saved you. He justified you. Here's another one thing, another thing here that we're going to see. Look at letter C. He intercedes for you. Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, it, that it is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. All right, where is Jesus? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. You see? I'm more than a conqueror. I'm saved. I'm justified. And now when I pray, Jesus prays for me to the Father. I don't need to go to a priest. I don't need to confess my sins to anybody. I confess it to Him and Him alone. You see? What a wonderful thing to be a Christian, isn't it? God is not against me. God is for me. What a blessing to be a Christian. You know why? He intercedes. Now, don't you ever think, because that's a lack of faith, or when I pray, I actually had a pastor told me that one time. He comes to me, brother, don't you have those days when you pray? feels like this, the praise is hitting the ceiling and coming back down. I look at him, I said, no, I never had those days. And he goes, really? I said, I am telling you. When I pray, I pray believing. Amen. I know that someone has listened to me and is my heavenly father. Amen. That's a lack of faith. If we pray, we think God doesn't care. You show me in the Bible that God says that. I will not. I don't care what you say. Well, if you have a lot of sin, you don't confess it. He shuts his ears because he wants you to confess your sin. But God loves you. I'll tell you what. He intercedes for you. So any time of the day or night, whatever, you access the throne of grace. You pray. And Jesus turns to the Father. And he says, my child. And he goes on. Isn't that wonderful? I don't need to go to anybody and say, could you please pray for me for this? I understand. Listen, we had to, we, we, we uh, get with one another and say, please, could you pray for me? I understand. It's all good, okay? But ultimately, for to say that, oh, God's not listening to me. No, 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 no. He intercedes for you. What a good thought. So that's our number one point. Number two, listen to me, nothing can Neither will separate you from God's love. Isn't that great? So God's not against you, and nothing will separate you from His love. I tell you what, that's great encouragement for us who are Christians. I tell you you what, Paul doesn't simply state the, the truth here. He exalts the truth here. He rejoices in the truth. He puts it under the microscope and examines it to the very little detail. He puts it through the fire and he tests it and he comes out and he says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's great, folks. 
You know why? Because we never know what life brings us. We never know when we wind up. But it's one thing we can say, I am in God's hands. I am in God's hands and nothing will separate me from the love of God. I tell you what, that is hope beyond our own imagination. That is hope. You know what? Many people put their hope in friends, in, in other people. They go on and on and they get disappointed. You know what? If I put my hope in God, you will never disappoint me. That's how he is. Nothing could separate us from the love of God. Think about it. When Paul was in prison, he said, I'm persuaded that nothing, even this place, would take me away from the love of God. So these final verses in verse 8 are words of victory, assurance, and confidence. So letter A, no circumstances will do. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? That's a question that Paul, Paul is questioning us and he's questioning himself. Look, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So get this neither trouble, hardship, persecution, famine. There is nothing that Paul says right here. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And God's people say, Amen to that. So, God is not against me. God is for me. Go ahead. God is not against me. God is for me. Do you believe that? All right, secondly, nothing will separate me from His love. Nothing will. I dealt with this a couple weeks ago, I think, about losing salvation. I tell you what, I'm a pastor. If I lost my salvation, I'd be here every Sunday. Just gave my life to Christ again because... Is that a day that you don't sin? We all do it, don't we? We all do it. So no circumstances will do it. And Paul asked the question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice once again, Paul phrases this as a question with an obvious answer. The emphasis in the original language is, in one word is us. Who will separate us? He emphasized that word us in here. Who will separate us from uh, uh, us whom God, whom God loved us and justified us and saved us? Nobody. Paul asked the question in the bold, and boldly answered his own question. Whom there is a complete solid faith in God right here. He knows the answer, but he makes the question up. Now then, just in case we were still not sure of the answer, he gives us a list of possible uh, 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 suspect or suspected things that might could separate us from the love of God. Look what it says there in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God, of Christ? He puts that question. And he goes, should this, should this, should this, should this, should this? Or any of these things, can these things separate us from the love of God? I tell you what, there is nothing. The word persecution refers to, to suffering for your faith. Neither trouble, hardship, nor persecution will separate us from the love of God. The next two words refer to a physical thing right here. Famine. Can, if I go hunger, hungry, if I live in the streets, if I have nobody to love me, will that separate me from God? No, it will not. It will not. If I sin tremendously against God, will that separate, separate me from God? No, it will not. Let me give you a, a, a very good analogy from the Bible. All right. There was a young man that went to the father and said, Father, I want my inheritance. I'm done with this. I want my own life. Give me my part. 
And the father did give him his part. What did the guy did? He went his way and lived the way he wanted. He was the biggest kid in the block, did what he wanted. Only God knows what he did, but he went up eating with the swine. That's how way life took him. He lost his friends, his so-called good friends. They all walk away from him. He finds himself with the swine. And there he remembers, in my father's house, the servants are treated better than me in this place. I'm going there to ask him to be one of his servants. What did the father do when he got home? He opened his arms and he hugged his child. He was waiting, the Bible says, waiting, looking down the street for his father, his son to come home. That means he never stopped being his child, even though he was doing everything against his father. You know, when you are a child of God, you are a child of God. There's nothing there to take you away from the love of God. Is in a word this has nakedness, refers to the lack of clothes or shelter. Neither famine or nakedness will separate us from the love of God. So, neither danger, no sword will separate us from the love of God. Do you know why Paul picked these particular items of the, for the list? Because except for the sword, he had already experienced them all. You follow that? Except for the sword, Paul already experienced all those things. He had tribulations. He was stoned to death. He, he, he suffered all kinds of things. The last thing he didn't do, it was the sword. And that's what the last thing happened to him. Paul was killed for the faith. And he says, can all these things that happen to me will separate me from the love of God? And he says, nay. Because Paul believed that he was forever a child of God. And look what it says in verse 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So Paul quotes from Psalm 42, 22 right here. To show that a Christian is a real, real, a real risk in many things. In many parts of the world, even today, people are suffering for the cause of Christ. So God's people have always been at risk. But the trials of life do not mean God has forgotten you. And they certainly don't mean that God doesn't love you. Yes, all things may be, uh, may be realities in the world in which we live, but none of these things will or can separate us from the love of God. Let it be. Circumstances only reinforces. Lucas says, nay. He answers the question, nay. In all these things we are more than what? Conquerors through Him that loved us. That's a pretty big jump from verse 36 to verse 37. In verse 36, we are considered sheep to the slaughter. And in verse 37, we are more than conquerors. How can that happen? In verse 36, we are sheep to the slaughter. In verse 37, we are victorious, conquerors. Why we are conquerors? Why Paul said that? Why Paul said that we are conquerors as believers? He might be thinking, I don't feel like a conqueror this morning. But you are. But you are, you are victorious, you are a soldier of the cross. Amen. You are a child of the king. Right. I think about it, I mean, how many people want to be rich? How many people want to be a child of some movie star, some famous people, or some famous person? How many people want to be a child of a king? You are. Amen. You got that? Somebody said to me one time, oh, that was a funny story. We, I was uh, talking with a couple guys at work, and uh, and. Uh, when they were going to play the Powerball, it was like, it was, it was Powerball, I think it was Powerball, and asked me if I wanted I said, nope, I don't play Powerball. Why don't play Powerball? Because I don't play Powerball. Hey, when well, we get a little group together, and, and we're going to win this thing. I'm like, you know what? You go ahead. And one goes, 
hey, you can't win. You can't, you can't win if you don't play. Something like that. I said, yeah, I heard this before. And one goes, well, why? You don't want to be rich? I said, I'm already rich. And he goes, why? You're rich. Well, my brother-in-law was one of them. You're rich, right. I know, I know you. I'm rich. And he goes, you tell me I'm rich. I mean, this conversation got a little heated. Tell me how you're rich. I said, my father owns all. I'm a child of a king. It took him a little bit to get there. I said, I'm a child of a king. I don't need nothing of those things. I am content. I don't live in the palace, but I will someday. Amen. And my, my brother-in-law just choked his head, rattled all his eyes, walk away. Everybody walked away. Nobody wanted, because they knew what I was saying. Listen, my earthly father was not rich, but my heavenly father is more powerful than anyone. Because he is the king of kings and lord of lords, and I am his adopted child. Wow. I'm more than conqueror, believe me. Circumstances only reinforces who I am. So there is suffering. There is disappointments. There is, there is hurt. There is physical hurt. There is spiritual hurt. It only reinforces who I am, a child of the king. I lost all my friends. They were not your friends in the first place. Oh, I lost all my co-workers because I'm a believer. They were, you know, they're just your co-workers. I'm telling you, we are more than conquerors. He said, oh, I'm about to give up. Don't. Be a light to them because that's what they need. They need Jesus in their lives. You know, the saddest thing is somebody to die without Jesus. That's the saddest thing. So we be a light to them. Because we are more than conquerors. Let us see. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Absolutely. Look what it says in verse 28, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded. He, Paul says, I am convinced. That's what he says there. I am convinced. He says that neither. He goes, that life, angels, principalities, powers, nothing. He says, no heart, no that. All the way to verse 39. Because he says, Luke says, shall be able to separate from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. In verse 28, Paul says, we know nothing. And he says, I am convinced. So Paul was one of those guys, solid rock faith. He says, I don't care what you say. I am convinced. I will die this way. Isn't that great? It is great. What about you? Are you convinced? You should be. You should be convinced. You say, where did I put that on the words of the Bible? God says so, I believe so. That's it. God says so, I'm a child, I believe so, and I'm done with it. I tell you what, number one there, all human experience doesn't do it. It says, I am persuaded. All human experience doesn't do it. I then neither death nor life. All human experience. Number two, no time will do it. I am persuaded that neither no things present, no things to come. He said, doesn't matter what life may bring me, nothing will separate me from the love of God. I am, I am convinced of that. That's what Paul says here. No powers of authority. Non-governments will change the way I feel. I am convinced of that. Number three, nothing of God's creation will do it. Look what it says. I am persuaded that neither no height, no death, no other creature shall be able to separate from the love of God. Paul was so convinced. It says there is nothing at all 
will separate me from the love of God. I am more than a conqueror. So nothing in all human experience, nothing in the spiritual world, nothing in all time, no power, no authority, or nothing in all the physical world can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So in spite, let me put it this way. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you're a Christian online, put it this way. God is for you, not against you. And secondly, nothing can or will separate you from the love of God. Let me tell you, isn't that two points for us to rejoice in who we are as Christians? Listen, folks, life brings disappointments. Life throws us curveballs we don't expect. You're like it's being on, on, uh, 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 as a hitter for the Red Sox. You're waiting for a strike and a curveball comes your way. And you don't expect a curveball. He throws you a, sh- uh, a fastball and he throws you a fastball and you're ready for the next fastball. Boom, and it comes a curveball. That's life. You think, and there's another strike. I'm going to hit this one out of the park. And guess what happens? It comes a curveball. That's the way life is. We never, but it was one thing. In all midst, this whole thing, no matter what life brings us, God is for me, not against me. Nothing will separate me from his love. That's how much he loves me. I hope you get that this morning. And encourage you this morning to go on with life and say, well, you know what? God is for me. He's he's not against me. God is for me. He loves me with that such intensity. He loves me. Because he says that nothing will separate me from his love. Wow, what a wonderful thought. And through that, we can live a life of great hope. Live a life of, of strength, even, like, even right now. Not me, because I'm weak, but Him can give me the strength to go on. Because He's such a good, wonderful God. And folks, I close with this. God is not against me. God is for me. Nothing can separate me from His love. And I will worship Him because He is worthy. Of being worshipped. He is worthy. He saved me. He justified me. He intercedes for me. And he says nothing can separate me from his love. That is a God I want to worship and give praise to. That is. If you're not saved here this morning, let me tell you. You don't know what you're missing. You need the love of God in your life. You know what our world needs? Our world needs Jesus. You know what our government needs? It needs Jesus inside that White House. You know what the state capital needs? It needs Jesus in there. Because our world would change if we put Jesus first. You say, well, I'm telling you. The world would change if, if we give our lives to the Lord and begin to live and look at people the way God wants to look at them. The way God looks at people, He wants us to do the same thing. All hate were gone. All this, this gossiping were gone. All those things, all this wickedness that people have in their hearts were gone. But you know why? Because now we pray for those who don't like us. Wow. That's something. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you're not against us. You are for us. Thank you, Lord, that... You say in in your word that nothing can separate us from your love. 
Lord, as two statements of great hope for every believer. And I pray, Father, help us to, to hold dear to those two statements, that nothing will separate us from your love, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone here or someone online this morning that never truly received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, may today they take those two statements to heart. And, Lord, may they want you to be at peace, um, them to be at peace with you, Lord. Call upon you for salvation this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, please, you can have a song of invitation. Now feeling the moment. This is a time when we can do serious business with God. It is a time where we can say, Lord, I've been walking the other way from you. And you, not against me, you are for me. And nothing can separate me from your love. Lord, I want to come home. You know what? Come home. There's an altar here. You can pray to the Lord. Come home. Why being outside the house when it's raining? When there's a thunderstorm, when the weather's not that good, you're getting all wet. When you can come home and be with the Lord. He loves you that much. He's not against you. He's for you. You're not saved. Why die and go into hell? He said, oh, no, it's not, not such thing as hell. Will you come see me and I'll show you in the Bible where hell is there. He, gee, my Jesus is not a liar. You don't believe in hell? I'll show you in the Bible what it says about hell. And unfortunately, thousands have denied the existence of hell, and they did today. I'll tell you what, you don't have to die and go into hell. There is a Savior that loves you enough to save you. He wants to save you today. You're online today, right there in the privacy of your own home. Why don't you get on your knees if you can? Admit that you are a sinner, you have a break, you're breaking God's law. Call upon Jesus to save you. Ask Him forgiveness of your sin. He will save you. You know what the beautiful thing about this? He will be for you after that, not against you. And in that, nothing will separate you from His love. But you need to do that first. Child of God here today, you leave this place. Let me tell you, God is for you. God is for you, not against you. He loves you. Isn't that wonderful that my Creator loves me? Nothing is going to separate you from His love. You are loved. Even when you don't feel like, you're still loved by God. Wow. When you pass out of this life, welcome home, you good and faithful servant. That's words of love. God cares. He loves you. 
I'll tell you what, that is words of encouragement. And Paul said, I went through all these things, all these tribulations, and I still convinced that nothing separated me from the love of God. Not even the sword. That was his next thing. That's where Paul lost his life, with the sword. But you know why he said, even that would not separate me from the love of God. That is solid rock faith. That's what we need. Solid rock faith that we're not moving from every wind of doctrine out there. We stand still and say, this is my God and that's whom I serve. Let's sing one more verse. It's our last verse. All to Jesus I surrender Humbly at His feet I bow blessing to have you this morning and thank you for your caring words for the uh, birthday gift I really appreciate it I see a lot of goodies over there so I'm going to drink a coffee have a, you know who in the world Kit Kat bars is my favorite goodie <laughs> I love those waffles and those things I like to like, suck the chocolate out of it oh they're good but anyway <laughs> and everybody's going to buy Kit Kat bars right now I'm telling you Oh, doesn't matter if it's mint, white chocolate, black chocolate, brown chocolate, whatever that is. I love them all. <laughs> but thank you so much. Golden apples, I like those things. You know, a bite of a Kit Kat bar and a bite of an apple, a, a, a sip of a coffee, that's, that's it, that's it, that's good. Yes. How much do you want for those Kit Kats so I can save them from that travesty you just very detailed They're, pri- they're priceless, they're priceless. There's no price for that. I got a butterfinger for you. No butterfingers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, let's pray and it will be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being in your house this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this dear people that was listened very attentively. Thank you for them, Lord. I pray, Father, may we leave this place, Lord, with that in our hearts, that you are for us, not against us. And, Lord, and that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Lord, help us to keep those thoughts in our hearts and minds. Lord, they will make a difference in our lives and the way we live. And I pray, Lord, go with us. And Lord, and bless us and protect us. Keep us safe, Lord. Help us to be a lighthouse of, of witness to those people that don't know you. And bring us back again on Wednesday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.